Well, good morning, friends, and welcome again to The Digital Gathering. My name is Steve, and it is good to be with you. I want to invite you to meet me in Exodus chapter 20. Exodus is in the Old Testament. It is the second book of the Bible. A few years ago, the Mega Millions jackpot actually reached the billion dollar mark for the first time. And so this, of course, led to all sorts of questions about what would you do if you had a billion dollars? The vast majority of the responses to at least one reporter's asking of this question, a lot of the responses went something like this. I, if I had a billion dollars, I would quit my job and I would do nothing for a year. Or I would take the vacation that I've been longing to take, just go slowly travel the world. All the answers had this recurring theme of slowing down. A billion dollars wasn't seen as a ticket to a big house or satiating some materialistic desire. It was seen as an escape from the demands of time, the speed at which our lives move. Now, speaking of speed, I'm going to age myself a little bit and talk about email. Email is, was an innovation that was all about speeding up communication. Let's say that on average it took 30 minutes to sit down, collect your thoughts, write a letter by hand, and then address, stamp, and mail that letter. Email cuts that 30 minutes of time down to, what, two, three minutes tops? So now, theoretically, you have 27, 27 minutes of your life back, except that's not how it works, right? That 27 minutes gets crammed full of other communication. Now you're writing 10 emails in that 30-minute chunk of time. Same amount of time, but that 30 minutes of email is now fuller than the 30 minutes that it took you to write that letter. There's more people, more relationships, more thoughts, details, more potential for communication crammed now into the same amount of time. Email doesn't just speed up communication, it fills our lives in ways that older forms of communication could not. And again, I'm talking about email, right? Not texting or DMing or whatever other quicker communications are available. Now this brings us to the NBA. Every year, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver does a, a year-end kind of state of the league speech, recaps the accomplishments of the year, highlights different players, talks about things that might be coming in the future, all that kind of stuff. Well, in the summer of 2019, Silver dedicated most of his speech to the mental health of NBA players spent a long time talking about how concerned he was because most of the players in his league, he said, are very unhappy. Now here's a group of men, young men mostly, playing a game and getting paid a ton of money to do it, and the commissioner of the league fears that these guys are mostly unhappy. Now, last thing, we are entering the 12th month of this pandemic, which has warped our sense of time. Last March feels like 10 years ago, a thing that 
happened yesterday could have just as easily happened seven months ago. It feels like the same distance, right, between events. Time has compressed, it has slowed down, it has sped up simultaneously. Now, why? Is the commissioner of the NBA worried about the happiness of his players? Why do we collectively imagine winning the lottery so that we can slow down? Why does email take so much out of us? We have a time problem. We have a time problem. Our time is full, but it is not filling us up. Our time is full, but it is not filling us up. Now to Exodus chapter 20, I want to read verses 8 through 11 together here. Exodus 20 verse 8 says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Holy means set apart, different, other, special, sacred. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. God made this day holy. He invites us to keep it holy. Now one of the gifts of the Old Testament is the introduction into the world of a new concept of time. Thomas Cahill in his incredible book, The Gift of the Jews, explains how all ancient Near Eastern cultures, Egypt, Babylon, Assyria, Sumeria, Sumeria, all of them had a cyclical view of time. Everything just repeated itself over and over again. But then suddenly this God named Yahweh meets a man named Abraham in the desert. And time begins to move forward. It starts to move towards something, towards a goal. Now, because of sin and the way that sin, our rebellion against God's good created order, warps everything, there is a distortion that happens with time. Because it does now move forward, there's a competition for who can get to the future first, which brings us back to today. Our moment in time, which is all about disruption, innovation, life hacks, our whole world is oriented towards beating each other to the future, winning the race to the future. And this is why from the very beginning, from the very beginning, even before there was human rebellion and sin, when God creates the world, he gifts us with ways of marking and keeping time. In the creation story in Genesis chapter 1, the story itself is built around time. There was morning and there was night, morning and evening the first day, morning and evening the second day. This rhythm built into the creation narrative. God creates sun, moon, and stars to mark the days and the nights. And then on the seventh day of creation, God finished the work he had been doing and he rested from all his work. God blessed the seventh day and made it, here's that word again, holy, set apart, different, other, 
sacred because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. God chooses to build time into creation. Morning and night, days and years, but as a gift, as a way of reminding us that he is our creator. As a way of saying not every day is the same, God creates this day called Sabbath. There is a day named rest. Now back to Exodus chapter 20, just a quick reminder of where we are in the bigger story of Scripture. So God creates the world and calls it good. Humans rebel against His good creation and break right relationship with Him. This is Genesis chapter 3. Then Genesis 4 through 11 describes this violent spiraling cycle of human beings. And it raises the question, what, if anything, will God do about this? And so in Genesis 12, God does something by, again, choosing Abraham and his wife, Sarah, to be the parents of a family, a family who will bless all the other families of the earth. And so history begins. Time starts moving towards a goal, the redemption and restoration of God's good creation. Now, if you ever sit down and read through the book of Genesis, it tells the story of Abraham and Sarah's family. Their family is all kinds of jacked up and have drama all over the place every generation. Three generations later, part of the drama is that some brothers get sideways with each other. They sell the one brother into slavery in Egypt. His name is Joseph. And this is a very, you know, horrific story that ends up working out well for the family because they all end up in Egypt in an escape from a famine. But they settled down there and as a result they become enslaved as a people and for 400 years they live under this oppression. And after that time, God hears their cry. He rescues his people in a story that foreshadows our ultimate rescue in Jesus. So 400 years of slavery, and then all of a sudden, this great rescue from Egypt, and they go out into the desert in the land in between Egypt and their homeland, and they get reacquainted with God here. This is where we find ourselves in Exodus chapter 20. This passage famously known as the Ten Commandments is really the DTR, the define the relationship moment between God and his people. God laying out the minimum standards for his family. Now, how does the conversation start? Well, it begins with God saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery. God reminding them of who he is, his status as their Lord, as their creator, as their savior. This is really important because what were they doing in Egypt? They were making bricks. And what were the bricks for? The bricks were for building the Egyptian empire. They were to serve the Lord of Egypt. And then what did Egypt do when they became concerned that the Hebrews might rebel and leave? They sped them up. They made them do twice the amount of work in the same amount of time. Empires, whoever controls time, will always try to speed you up. 
They will always try to speed you up because when you are going fast, they have you. When you are going fast, they have you. In the Ten Commandments, God has as much to say about the Sabbath as any of the other commandments, which might seem weird, right? Because, you know, murder or idolatry or something like that might deserve more attention. But God spends as much time talking about this day, this unit of time, as He does anything else. Because Israel is free now. They're out of Egypt, but all these people know is making bricks. Day after day, year after year, generation after generation, they've been doing the same thing over and over again, brick after brick after brick, in service of the Lord of Egypt. But now, the Lord of creation is telling them there's a new way to live. There's a different way of thinking about time. There's a new rhythm of life for you. You have a new identity. I am the Lord your God and you are my people and I am not a slave driver. Israel, God's people, have been rescued out of Egypt but they need the gift of Sabbath to get the Egypt out of them. Which brings us to us. A year ago, here at Discovery, we started this adventure called The Practices. Sometimes these are called spiritual disciplines. And our desire as a community is to be a people of Jesus followers, a collection of Jesus followers who actually live the way that Jesus taught us to live, who put into practice His teachings so that we can experience the kind of life that He came to offer us. That passage we heard in the intro video sums it up so well. Everyone, everyone who hears these words of mine, these words of Jesus, and puts them into practice is like a wise builder who built a house on bedrock. This is significantly integrated into our vision. We spent the last three weeks in this vision conversation, our hopes and dreams for the coming year. This is not a different conversation. This is very much a part of that. Because part of our vision is to be a participatory church, a participatory community, working with God, participating with God in this beautiful, abundant life that He offers us. Now last year we looked at eight practices. We're going to run back those same practices this year in 2021. We do hope to introduce new ones. There will be, or there are a, a long list of different spiritual disciplines, but we wanted to do the same uh, list this year, go through it again, because last year was so weird. We considered Sabbath in January of 2020, and we had a couple of months to get into it before the pandemic hit. But certainly for me, and I know from conversations that I've had with many of you, our Sabbath plans got totally disrupted and in some cases completely dropped as a result of COVID. You know, we even asked people to share their Sabbath stories for this gathering and no one wanted to. And I'm not saying that to make anybody feel bad or guilty about it because I feel the same way. Like, what is there to talk about? It was terrible. <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay. It just highlights the importance of hitting this conversation again. 
When we laid out our Sabbath plans last year, no one knew what was coming. So give yourself a little bit of grace. The good news is we get to try it again. So on, on, our, on our app and website, practically speaking here for a moment, you can find a resource called My Sabbath Plan. And in that resource, there are some prompts, some questions to help you think through what you can do to either start or restart this practice this year. So my encouragement, my challenge to you is today even, this week, as soon as you can, spend some time with it. it you know, print it out and write on it or in your journal, write down some of your thoughts. We'll go over this in groups as well, but begin creating something, a Sabbath plan that you are excited about practicing. This is what the Lord says, the Lord of creation. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. This is what we want, right? This is our desire, that good way. Rest for our souls. The harsh truth, I think, is that there's no slowing down the speed at which time seems to be moving. But we can resist speed's formative power in our life. The church used to be society's timekeeper for hundreds of years. This is why old church buildings have bell towers. Those bells would help people mark the time of day the week, the month that they were in, the church used to keep time. Then for a while, time was kept by the state. I would argue that today, time is kept by Silicon Valley. This is why, in many ways, the Apple Watch is, symbolically anyway, I think the most important product that Apple has ever put out. Tangible proof of the technology empire exerting its influence over us by controlling time. Whoever controls time will always try to speed you up. So Sabbath. I think fundamentally Sabbath is two things. One is that it is a resistance. Sabbath is a resistance to being formed by the power of speed and acceleration in our world right now. Sabbath creates space to be reminded that, oh no, we have a creator. We have a Lord who is over all creation who says, I am your God who brought you out of slavery and who sets you free. Sabbath is resistance to being formed by speed. Sabbath is also a gift. It is a resistance, but it is also a gift. It is a gift that creates space to be formed by the fullness of time. Not a fullness in the sense of a piece of luggage being crammed behind its capacity. Fullness in the sense of the richness and the depth and the beauty that comes from shalom. Living in right relationship with God and with people. So may your Sabbath practice, whatever it is that you decide to do to honor this day and to keep it holy, May your Sabbath practice form you in the fullness of God's time. And may it gift you with the space 
to resist the power that speed too often has over us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are Lord, King, sovereign over your creation. And we are grateful for the gift of time that you have given us and the rhythms that you have built into your creation. God, may we honor those rhythms. As we make decisions about how to use our time, as we uh, look at our calendars and craft our days and weeks and months, may that be a reflection of your rhythms. That not every day is the same. That there is time that is set apart to slow down, to rest, to remember, to worship, to rejoice, to enjoy, to be recreated and reminded that we are made in your image. So Father, I pray for our community as we move through this exercise, as we practice this practice, that we would find the ability to have that space, to receive the Sabbath as a gift, to be formed by your fullness of time, and to resist the speed at which our world pushes us. God, and we also are grateful for the gift of Jesus, whose death and resurrection makes it possible for us to live in your rhythms again. We are so grateful for that. And we celebrate that now as we pray all these things in his name. Amen. Well, wherever you are, let's go ahead and grab our communion elements. The communion table is where we come, where we gather to remember what God has done on our behalf to restore this relationship with him. I want you to hear these words as we prepare for this. This is from Galatians chapter 4. But when the fullness of time came, God sent his son, born through a woman and born under the law. This was so that he could redeem those under the law so that we could be adopted. Because you are sons and daughters. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave. You are no longer a slave. You are a son or a daughter. And if you are his child, then you are also an heir through God. You are not ruled by the speed of life. You are not made to go fast all the time. You do not need to keep up with the pace to be loved. You are no longer a slave. You are a son or a daughter. So let's come to the table with gratitude for the gift of the fullness of time, for the gift of Sabbath, for a different way to experience time, for freedom and liberation in Christ, grace and love through Christ. Take and eat the good gift the Eucharist, the body and blood of Jesus.